Afternoon. Oh, I thought Leslie had um, an announcement. You're waving at me. You're saying hi. Oh, sorry. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, good morning. Well, not good morning. Good afternoon. Just say good afternoon. I'll say it again. Good afternoon. Um, I'm feeling, I mean, mo better than I did on Wednesday. I'm still not 100%. Um, but I did take some cough medicine, and I've got a pocket full of um, cough drops. So let's see how this works this morning. Um, I'm excited because this upcoming week, Leslie and I celebrate our 20-year wedding anniversary. And that's on um, Wednesday, right? The 18th, it's on Wednesday. And I uh, just want to say that I am super excited and encouraged to have been married to you for the last 20 years, honey. Best 20 years of my life have been with you. So uh, thank you for that. Um, Our campus ministry is out worshiping. They're having an on-campus worship service this morning. And some of the other brothers and sisters are off in, are they in Maryland? um, They're at an elders retreat, some of them. The Bentons, James's, Pennsylvania, sorry. Okay. And it's Anthony's birthday today. That's right. Anthony's 16 today. 16. But he's at a teen retreat in Maryland. Everybody's up there in Maryland, Pennsylvania. Whatever. Uh, we're going to be out of town next weekend. We'll be at, in Sandbridge. Uh, the, the Hampton Roads Church leadership staff gets together, as well as the deacons and the elders get together once a year to just come together, build relationships, kind of talk about the direction of the church. So we'll be there next weekend. But Chance is going to be preaching the word for us next weekend. So we are excited about that. And then um, last night, uh, Billy Kashner. Where's Billy? There's Billy. Yeah, last night, um, Billy had his groom honoring. And uh, that, <laughs> that was a really good time. We were at Pixels and Pints. Pixels and Pints this is a place in um, downtown Norfolk. And um, it's, it's a bar, but they've got all these really, really retro, old-school uh, video games. Really, really cool. And um, we had a fantastic time, and Corey's bringing up the magician, the mentalist, whom I'm going to speak about here. Um, it was really cool. I mean, one, it was just, I mean, we were sharing kind of, you know, like, you know, encouraging words for Billy, and he just kind of interrupts, like, hey, you know, I'm the local mentalist here. And, um, but he took... Uh, Billy's brother, that's your brother, right? Took Billy's brother's ID card and took the ID card and he put it on the table. And then I don't, I don't, well, I do kind of know how he did it because I talked to Billy's brother afterwards. I'm not going to review all of the magician's secrets, but um, he, he had the card on the table. And I mean, imagine this were the card. He put his hand over the card and the card just came up from the table and he was able to grab the card. And he said, well, I'm going to do even better than that. He puts the card on the table. <coughs> Sorry, he puts his hand over the card. The card starts spinning. And the card goes, like, all around his, his hip, all around one side, and then, like, all around the other side, and then back up into his hand again. And I've seen that stuff on television before. But I was, like, I was, whatever, four feet away from him. And I'm looking, I'm like... And, like, the card was literally, like, spinning and going around and floating in the air with nothing seemingly around the card. Weird. It was really weird. 
Now, on top of that, he begins to do his little mental tricks or whatever. So the, the, the biggest one was with Josh. And um, he tells Josh, he says, hey, I want you to think of what was it, like a pet or something like that. Think of something. Josh ended up thinking of a pet, a pet that he had as a child. And the guy tells Josh, you know, hold, hold the thought of that pet's name in your mind. Don't tell anybody. And he didn't tell anybody. And then he gives, so it gives Josh a um, little um, scratch pad. And he tells Josh, write down the name of the pet on the scratch pad. So Josh writes it down. Now the guy is not next, he's not near Josh. He doesn't see what Josh is writing down. Josh writes it down. He takes the page off. He crumbles it up and holds it in his hand. The guy shows us the scratch pad. He shows us that nothing bled through on the paper or anything like that. Okay, All the guy has is a blank pad. Josh has the name of this pet in his hand. And did you like have to put it on the table or something like that? That's right. He wanted you to point, point his fist at his nose. That's all kind of magician's patter stuff. But point, point the fist at his nose and, you know, he does all this stuff. Anyway, so the guy goes over to Josh, holds his wrist with the paper in his hand. And he starts saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, whatever. And he's like, you know, it was a, a male dog, I think he said. And then the dog's name, what was it? Like Wishbone. Wishbone. That was a, it was a W. And so the guy says... Um, is your dog's name Wishbone? And Josh is like, like, yeah, like that was, that was a dog's name, Wishbone. It was the weirdest, craziest thing I think I'd ever seen. Now, we've been to Vegas before and I saw Chris, um, Chris Angel. Have you seen Mind Freak before? So I went and saw him. I'm telling you that my expectations were so high for that performance he was doing some of the most basic magician's tricks you could ever think about. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Literally, like doves flying out of his sleeve. I mean, just really just, I was like, come on now. Anyway, I'm off the point. But this guy was like, uh, I, I could not, in the moment, exp- I think I know now the stuff that he did, by the way. I'm not going to say it publicly. You can come talk to me afterwards. But... It seemed as if he had some supernatural powers last night. Now, I say all this because Jesus was no pub-crawling mentalist, okay? Jesus was the real deal. And what we're going to look at this morning is one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful miracles that Jesus ever did. And John records this miracle for the specific purpose of convincing us or convincing anybody that Jesus is the Messiah. If you could turn with me to uh, the Gospel of John, we're going to be in chapter 11. And John can be broken into two major sections. One is simply the book of signs. The other is the book of glory. And we're coming to the end of the book of signs. The book of signs ends at the end of John chapter 12. <coughs> and we spent the last couple of Sundays beginning to look at this seventh um, miracle, which is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Um, Lazarus lived with his two sisters. <coughs> Sorry, it's starting. Um, Mary and Martha. Um, I don't know... Um, I, I mean, I guess they were all single. They had to have been all single. 
But um, Lazarus lived with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus knew this family. He cared deeply for this family. And this seems to be the place where Jesus would go and stay whenever he would come from Galilee into Jerusalem for the different feasts and festivals. Jesus would um, cross the Kidron Valley, go over the Mount of Olives into Bethany and stay with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so Lazarus falls ill and dies, unfortunately. Jesus waits two days and then he travels to comfort the sisters, but also to show himself as the resurrection and the life by raising Lazarus from the dead. And so this miracle shows Jesus's amazing power over death. It shows that he's the Messiah and it gives us hope that we can look forward to the same resurrection. Amen. And so the title this morning is Glory and Death Part 2. We had Glory and Death Part 1. This is Glory and Death Part 2. Pray with me and we'll read. Father, um, you are um, an awesome God. You're incredible, um, miraculous in all that you do and all that you are. Um, You are the real deal. Even though men have tried through their own efforts and through Uh, dark forces and dark powers to imitate um, what you do, Father. You are authentic. You have the only true and real ability to do authentic miracles, Father. And your son did those miracles while he was here on earth. God, we pray that as we look at this incredible miracle that Jesus has done, that we would all be convinced of who your son is, that he is the Messiah, the one who's come into the world to die on the cross for our sins And that was raised again on the third day. Help us to believe. Help us to trust. Help us to have confidence in you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So John chapter 11, just a short, short passage, um, short lesson. Beginning in verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So two points this morning. One is expect miracles. The second is believe miracles. The miracles. And so expect miracles. As Jesus approaches the, the tomb here, it says that he was once more deeply moved. Ed talked about it last week, but this word means that Jesus was indignant. In some translations, it says that he snorted. He was furious at the effects of sin in Lazarus's life. And as he comes, he tells them to take away the stone. And these stones were typically um, quite, <coughs> quite heavy. They were there to protect the tombs from grave robbers. And so it wasn't something that you could just easily or one man could just easily move. 
It would take a couple of men at least to move these stones. But Mary's concern wasn't about how much work it would take. Uh, She's concerned about the smell of her brother's decaying flesh. And the NIV translates this as, uh, by this time, there is a bad odor. In the King James, it says, by this time, he stinketh. (laughs) That's what it says if you've got a King James. By this time, he stinketh. And that is quite the smell. Uh, The smell of death and decaying flesh is a smell that you will never forget. In Abaco, the Bahamas, uh, they've been recently saying because of the hurricane that came through and so many have been missing and and the carnage that's there that when you go onto that northern island of Abaco, you can literally smell death because you smell the humans that are decaying and you smell the animals that are there decaying as well. I've told the story in Trina about the first funeral that I ever did while I was there. We were there out in the hot sun. I was in a suit. And um, they, in Trinidad, they, they literally dig the, the, the graves the day of the funeral with shovels. And you're just kind of there watching them dig. They're just kind of going down deeper and deeper and deeper. And as they're digging, um, this woman who was in the church, her husband had already passed away. Her husband was buried on this same plot. And so as they're digging, they disrupted the, the corpse of her husband. And it produced this foul odor. Like, and it was the first time I had ever smelled anything like that in my whole life. I'm not even going to try to put it into words. It was the worst smell and odor you could ever imagine in your life after that body had been disrupted. The guys were down there and they asked me, well, one, they said, we hit the skull. We hit the skull. And then two, they said, do you want us to dig it up? Do you want us to dig it up? I told them, absolutely not. <laughs> do not dig up the rest of the body. Anyway, it's a foul odor. And this is what Mary was concerned about. And the odor simply emphasizes the point of how dead Lazarus was. He was dead, dead. He was good and dead. He was gone and dead. He wasn't coming back. His flesh was decaying. He was far beyond any hope of any kind of return or any kind of a a good ending to this story. And so Jesus pushes back and he says, did I not tell you, verse 40, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And he's reminding Mary of what he had told her in verse 23, which is your brother will rise again. And Mary, she believed that Jesus would rise again at the resurrection on the last day, but she wasn't expecting her brother to rise today. She thought there's still some time before this happens, right? And so she wasn't looking for Jesus' words to have effect right then and there, but that's exactly what Jesus expected her to believe. Jesus expected her to believe in a miracle right then and there in her life. And uh, I recently I'd gone to a um, staff D group with the brothers and I asked them, what could I do to help help me to increase my faith? And they suggested writing down impossible prayers. And so that's what I've been doing for some time now, writing down impossible prayers and praying about these prayers. And they said, you know, as, as God answers your prayers, 
you can begin to cross those things off. And that will increase your faith because you'll see God actually moving in your life. And, and obviously that's a great thing. That's what I've been doing. So as I started doing it, I realized that I would pray these prayers, but I wouldn't believe what I was praying because, well, they were impossible prayers, right? So I'm like, I don't know, God, this seems like it's too big for you. So I had to go and I had to dig up some scriptures and read what God says. In John 15, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In John 14, Jesus says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In Romans 8, Paul writes, he says, He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And in 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That's 1 John 5, 14. And so I read these scriptures to remind myself of what God's word says as I'm praying these prayers. And I don't think that that, that God is saying that just because I put something on a piece of paper that somehow I'm entitled to this thing and God is going to move heaven and earth so I can get a new whatever, Cadillac SUV, I'm just kind of making it up, whatever it is that I want. I'm not saying that, but I do think that God knows how to give good gifts. And I do think that he wants me to believe what he says and faithfully, <coughs> sorry, faithfully ask for those things. And expect miracles to happen as a result. I do believe that. And so as I started to do this, within a day, I was able to begin crossing these impossible things off of my list. I can't tell you what the first two things were. I just can't tell you. They're kind of private things. But anyway, it was amazing to see God doing the things that he did in a very, very short amount of time. Now, Lazarus was dead. And since Jesus said, your brother will rise again, Jesus expected Martha to believe that he would rise again. Does any part of your life stinketh right now? Is there any part of your life that's beyond hope? No chance of recovery, decaying, falling apart. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your own spirituality. God can take that decaying nastiness and he can bring it back to life sooner than you think. Just like with Mary. Sooner than you think. I I met a guy, um, we had known each other, but we were were riding together. And this guy, he was telling me about some... Not even hard times. He quit his job because he didn't like his job. Not that he had to quit his job. He just didn't like it. He was making lots of money. He quit his job, and um, he was just kind of down and like, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I was telling him, well, you know, cheer up. I mean, you seem like, you know, you're a pretty together guy. You know kind of what you're doing. God's going to bless you. You'll be able to find some work. And we were there talking. He's like, wow, thank you so much for this conversation. This has been so good. 
And then he says, I don't know, this might take me another month or so. I said, well, do you have any savings built up? He's like, yeah, I got some savings, so I'll be okay for a little bit. So no problem, we kept, uh, kept on going out, riding our bikes. The following morning, he sends me a text message. And he says, hey, I'm ready to start this new chapter in my life. I found a new job. I'm like, wow, that's like less than 24 hours, dude. He's like, yeah, God is good. I'm like, amen, he is good. Anyway, God can take a bad situation like his, something that seems like this is just beyond. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm desperate. And he can turn it around in short order and in short time. We've got to expect miracles. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is what the word of God says. And Jesus just wants us to believe what he says and expect him to do the miraculous. It brings glory to God. Let's expect miracles. Amen. Amen. Point number two. Believe the miracles. Believe the miracles. Verse 41, they take away the stone. Jesus looks up and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' purposes and Letting this whole situation with Lazarus play out in the way that it did, uh, he, had, <coughs> he had multiple reasons. Uh, one, to bring glory to God. Two, to comfort Mary and Martha. Three, to help his friend Lazarus, right? But another big reason that Jesus is doing this in the way that he's doing it is that he wanted to help people to believe who he was, the Messiah, And think about it. Why would he not just uh, stop Lazarus from getting sick in the first place? He could have done that, but he didn't. Uh, You know, when Lazarus died, why not? Again, long distance. Just say the word, Lazarus, come on out, rise from the dead. He could have done that, but he didn't. Why go through all the emotions and the crying when he got there? Like he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why all this empathy and compassion and connection? And everybody's like on this emotional roller coaster the whole time and In the back of his mind, Jesus knows, I'm going to fix all this stuff, right? Why go through all this? Why have other people removed the stone? I mean, why not just let the stone move itself? It was because it was involvement. It it, it created a a sense of the people connecting with what was going on. And it made a sense of realness with Lazarus coming out. Why shout in a loud voice? He could have whispered. He could have just said in a regular tone. It would have worked just the same, right? But he says it in a loud voice. Why? So that everybody else can hear. So that they can believe. Why have them remove the grave clothes? Why not have him come out with the grave clothes already removed? Again, involvement. Involvement. Verse 44. The dead man came out. That was the miracle right there. The dead man came out. And in typical biblical fashion, there's not a whole lot of fanfare here. It's just really matter of fact. The dead man came out. And then after that, you don't see any like and they were shouting screams of joy. Lazarus was fired up. Everybody was in awe, amazement. Like you don't see anything like that. I don't even (coughs) I don't even understand why. If I was Lazarus, I don't know if I would have wanted to come out. 
Like, if I'm in paradise, I'm having a great time, and all of a sudden I'm getting called back, right? Like, we need you back again. You're getting drafted. I'm like, come on, man. Maybe that's why there's nothing recorded there. Maybe he was upset. Like, man, I got to come back and be with you guys. Be with my two sisters. And you know how Martha was. I'm sorry. That was bad. I shouldn't have said that. Martha was a great woman. (laughs) Anyway. (coughs) John 10. John 10. Jesus says, do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. We've got to believe the miracles. This miracle shows what Jesus can do and what mere men cannot do. Religion cannot raise the dead. All the Jews could do at the time was offer some tears, some hugs, and some consolation to Mary and to Martha. The scribes and the Pharisees They couldn't raise the dead. And even today's modern medicine, with all of its advanced technology and MRIs and everything else that we've got, even our medicine today cannot raise a decomposing body from the dead and present somebody healthy and well again. Jesus spoke the word and Lazarus instantly came to life. That says a lot about who Jesus is. And so if you're struggling to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and surrender your life to him, what greater miracle will it take for you to believe? John has presented now seven incredible, amazing miracles, and they're all coming to this pinnacle miracle of Jesus having power over death itself And raising a decomposing man back from the dead. If that does not convince you, I don't know what will convince you. What are you looking for? Well, I want Jesus to walk on water. He did that. I want Jesus to change water into wine. Well, he did that. I want Jesus to help blind people to see. He did that over and over and over. Deaf people to hear. Mute people to speak. Lame people to walk. I mean, what more do you want? Jesus is the Messiah. I've found that when it comes to Jesus and spiritual things, seeing is not always believing. We do say that, right? Well, seeing is believing. And if I saw it, then I'd believe it. Well, you know what? I don't know if all of us would believe in these things if we were back there in the first century. Because when it comes to spirituality, seeing is not always believing. Many have seen and heard of what Jesus has done, and they still choose not to believe. It's more of an issue of the heart than it is an issue of the mind. When this a mentalist guy at the bar, uh, when he got done with all of his tricks and he kind of took his little bow or whatever, and we all kind of clapped for him, this mentalist guy, he did not say, now come, follow me. <laughs> Give up your life. You come do what I do and live the way that I want you to live. He didn't do that. All he had to say was, well, I hope you leave me a great review on social media. Isn't that what he said? 
Like, look us up on Facebook and leave me a nice little review, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know if you guys did that or not. I haven't done it. Even though he was a great guy. What would you say he gave you his card? Pull, that's right, he pulled out of the flaming card. That's right, he pulled out his business card. The card set on fire and everything else. Anyway, funny guy. <laughs> the difference between the mentalist and Jesus is that Jesus calls us to put our money where our mouth is. Jesus does the miracle and he says, now, do something about that. Give up your life and come and follow me. And when people love their sin more than Jesus, nothing will convince them. No amount of miracles, no amount of talking, no amount of logical exercises, nothing will get through that person's mind because it's not an issue of the mind, it's an issue of the heart. If you've doubted before and now you've become convinced by looking at these seven miracles, I encourage you to begin pursuing a real relationship with God. Sit down and let somebody teach you about Jesus and the scriptures. Repent, be baptized, and you will see a miracle in your life for sure. Guaranteed. For those of us who already believe this miracle, which is the majority of us, our faith can be strengthened by believing in this miracle. We can be overjoyed that this is our God. This is our Savior. This mentalist guy, he was cool. And when he got done, I thought, that was a really, really good trick. I was going back to my car thinking, whoa, that was something else. But when I think about Jesus raising, from the, raising Lazarus from the dead, like, whoa, I'm like, oh my goodness. And this is my Savior? Like, he died for me. He cares for me. He loves me. He's willing to do stuff for me. Like, this is amazing. Mind-blowing. Far beyond Mr. Mentalist at Pixels and Pints. And so we can be overjoyed that this is our God and our Savior. Because while we may suffer in this life, this miracle shows us that Jesus has the last word. Jesus has power over death itself. And we can take comfort in the fact that if Jesus doesn't return before our death, we will be raised in the same way that Lazarus was. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Lazarus was raised with a shout, and guess what? We're going to be raised with a shout too. People are God's going to say at the last day, David Gerardo, come on out. Cookie Palacios, come on out. Corey, come on out. Chance, come on out. Joanna, Mario, Gary, Ed, come on out. And at that day, we're going to, I don't know, we're going to bust out of the tombs, the dirt on us, whatever. Night of, no, not Night of the Living Dead. We're going to look a lot better than that. <laughs> but we're going to come out. And we're going to be with Jesus. And in the same way that when Jesus rose from the dead, you remember he left his grave clothes in the tomb. That's where our grave clothes are going to be too. They're going to be in the tomb. We're not going to need to worry about more grave clothes. We're going to come out new bodies, new duds. We're going to have an awesome fit going on. We're going to be looking stylish. And we're going to be with Jesus 
forever. Amen? Amen. And so church, expect miracles. No matter how much things in your life stink, let's believe what Jesus says and we will see the glory of God. And two, believe the miracles. He's the Messiah. He's got power over death and he's going to raise us up at the last day. Amen? Amen. Amen.